Good evening, Hushlings. Welcome back to another installment of Declassified Discussions. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And I'm Slick Frank Sanders. Tonight we have one of the founders of Paracon, Connecticut's largest paranormal convention, which is actually happening on May 13th. He's also the host and organizer of the annual Dracula Tours to Transylvania. You can find that at DracTours.com, as well as the annual Ghost Tours to Europe and other international locations presented by his travel company, Tours of Terror. He's also the author of the Top 10 Horror Lists. Hushlings, please welcome Mr. Charles Rosenay. Thank you for uh, declassifying me. <laughs> Uh, we're we're excited to have you on. Unfortunately, Nick can't be here, but just as happy to have you on because having you both on would have been real interesting. But we have a ton of questions for you. First, for our listeners that haven't heard of you or don't know any of your work, fill them in on who you are, some of the things you, you do, and some of the work you got going on. Sure. So we mentioned a guy named Nick, and that's Nick Grossman, and he's a partner. He's one half of a paranormal team that I'm in called the shaman and the showman. He's the shaman and he was actually called to do um, a thing tonight, which is why he's not here when we get called and it's an emergency and he has to do a house cleansing or, you know, a facility that put that above everything else. So I didn't go with him because we had the interview, but know that he's here in spirit and someday we'll, you know, we'll, we'll bring him on and we'll do it together. So him and I uh, do a lot of investigations in Connecticut. And we also produce, as you mentioned, the Connecticut Paranormal Convention, CT Paracon, which is, um, there's a few in Connecticut, but that was the first ever. And uh, it's been a real, it's been a real good, it's been a nice journey doing these shows. And uh, my history prior to that was in a lot of travel stuff. I'm, I'm also a rock and roll guy. And I produced the Beatle Tours to Liverpool. And uh, it was a time where the Beatle Tours were real successful and people were loving them and going on them. And but he says, hey, where else would you want to go? What other things do you love that you would want to go to? And I said, I want to go to Transylvania. But how the hell is that possible? You know, third world country behind the Iron Curtain, that kind of thing. He goes, no, no, let's look into it. And we did the research. And uh, sure enough, we started doing Dracula tours in 1998. This year is our fifth, uh, 25th anniversary of bringing people on a vampire vacation. We uh, combine the legend and the the fun and the you know the dracula myth with the true and the history of vlad tepish vlad the impaler and people just have the greatest time and that sort of gave birth to ghost tours um the people were going on the dracula tours were having such a great time that they said charles can't we go to other places? Let's do England. Let's do Dracula tour part two and go to, you know, uh, Whitby and go to all the goth places and all that. And yet you, if you go, I'll plan it. And we planned it. It was so successful that we did England, Ireland, Scotland. We did uh, Hungary. We did Israel. We did Cuba, um, Prague, East Germany. We did a Frankenstein castle tour. So that's been a nice ride taking people on these journeys that, basically came about because I wanted to do these trips. What places did I want to go to? And I figured there had to be freaks like me out there who would, you know, <laughs> want to go on the same trip, but wouldn't know how to go on their own. And that's basically, that was the genesis of doing all these tours. And, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I get going. You ask me a question, I can go on forever, but I wanted to share with you that um, for a while I was doing an online horror newsletter it was called National Horror Happenings. And originally I thought, well, if I get, you know, thousands of people reading this column, it'll help promote all the tours. It'll, you know, people can read my little um, review of the most current horror movie. I could do some previews of what's coming up, maybe an interview here and there. Um, and what I did is at uh, one point I hit upon, and I'm probably answering your next question. I hit upon um, a top 10 list. And I just put in somebody's top 10 list on this newsletter. Now, mind you, it was online only, and its purpose originally was to promote my tours. But in the top 10 list, it got like 10 times the eyeballs of all the other things I had posted before. And I'm thinking, well, that 
pretty good. I'll try it again. And every month it became a regular thing where I would do, I'd reach out to celebrities, horror movie people, screen queens, rock stars, whoever, whoever I could find. Everyone's got a top 10 list of horror movies, whether it's William Shatner's favorite science fiction movies or, or Bill Mosley, Chop Top from Texas Chainsaw Mask, whether it's his, you know, glorious scenes. Everyone was able to give me a top 10 list. And I had those just put on a shelf. They were in a database. I thought, I'm never going to do anything with those. Well, then COVID hit, guys, and I couldn't do my tours. I couldn't do Beatle tours. I couldn't do Dracula tours. I couldn't do ghost tours. I wasn't into the paranormal uh, investigations and the conventions yet. So I thought, well, I'm going to put these lists together. I'm going to edit them. I'm going to, you know, dust them off the computer if that's a possibility. And I'm going to keep going until I reach 100. And thus, I became an author with the book of top 10 horror lists. And um, from there on, I've, you know, I've been putting out books pretty regularly. So what's new? <laughs> <laughs> There's something new every day here, Charles. That's, that's so awesome, though. That's so awesome yeah. that you kind of managed to turn a passion into something great that other individuals could, you know, go out and experience all around the world. And that list of countries that you guys were stepping foot into and investigating and touring and exploring is pretty lengthy. I'm impressed, to be honest. Thanks. You, you know, interesting, Frank, it's probably places I would never have gone to in my life otherwise. Yeah. And I tend to think that the people who traveled with me and we've all become travel buddies and friends and we you know, exchange Christmas cards and Halloween cards and all that, um, they probably wouldn't have either. So, mm. you know, maybe they would have visited Prague and just seen the sites as part of a European tour. But here they went on what they love. You know, we're kindred spirits when we go on these things. And we're not just going to all the sightseeing places. We're going to the most haunted castles, the most haunted inns, the most haunted places and scariest places in all these parts of the world. And uh, I'm fortunate because I'm not just the tour host. I always bring a tour guide, a, a local, you know, whether it's Romania or Hungary, I always bring a local tour guide who knows the lay of the land much better than I do and to make sure we're safe at all times. But um, I get to go as a fellow traveler. So it's, 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 I'm lucky. I'm pretty, it's pretty special. That is actually the second time that you've mentioned Hungary and I'm Hungarian. I haven't been there yet. Real quick, most haunted place in Hungary, most activity, where would that be? Budapest Castle. Budapest that Castle, name, no way. Oh my God, every nook and cranny. So I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not a medium. I will never profess to to be a seer, to be psychic. That's my partner does that. But what he does is he says we go into a place, whether it's an old opera house, an abandoned barn, whatever it is, and he'll 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 feel stuff. He'll feel temperature fluctuations. He'll uh, see things. He'll see shadows. And I'm like. Uh, Dave, I nothing. I, 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 Dave, I, it's funny, but I'm that. For a while, I was the skeptic, and he would say, "No, take a picture, take a picture, take a picture, take a picture," to the point where I was taking fifty pictures of a corner, a dark corner. And, and wouldn't you guys know? Uh, in one of those pictures, there would always be an anomaly, um, a red orb. Um, in one photo, which. Uh, which which I used on the cover of the book. I hope we get to talk about. Um, we took I took like fifty pictures of this door, and in one picture, there's this amazing black figure. One out of fifty pictures, there was no one had access to that door. Um, no one. So, what was the question? Um, in all these places I go to, I don't sense these things. The people who go on my tours do, um, but I'm really good at capturing stuff on camera. So even on the tours, I'm always, I'm just like crazy with, with the phone and with cameras, just taking tons of pictures because it's, it's good in the long run. If I get some amazing um, shots, well, guess what? Now I've got something to put on the website for future tours. And if we ever return to those places, wow, look at what we saw in England at Borley Castle, or look at what we saw, you know, in Scotland or in Hungary or all these places. Hungary was really special. I, 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 the people were very nice. And, um, you know, most of them, it seemed like some of the places you go 
Ireland was a good example where it's the haunted stuff is very touristy and they roll their eyes, you know, okay, Americans, we're taking your money kind of thing. But in Hungary, I think a lot of the people uh, saw a lot of the places as part of their folklore, as part of, you know, their, their legacy. And it was a very, very interesting. I think Eastern Europe is, is much cooler in that way because it doesn't commercialize they're haunted and scary places the way England would and Ireland, you know, the UK does. Makes sense. That's good to hear. That's comforting. I'm I'm seeking dual citizenship right now for Hungary. Oh, good luck. That'd be pretty cool, huh? Before we get into your book, because we definitely want to talk about your book, because Frankie's in Connecticut, and I'm, I don't live in Connecticut right now, but I'm from Connecticut, so we're all from Connecticut, so I'm really interested in that. But can you tell us how you scored that gig of getting? to be able to go to some of those places and like Transylvania and some of these haunted mansions. Mm. So Transylvania is interesting because there'd been tours to Romania before. I wasn't the first person to bring, you know, tour groups to Romania, but what those were, were for lack of a better word, senior citizen trips where the people get up at eight in the morning, they have breakfast, they do a little sightseeing. They may go to Bram castle a brand castle rather, which is, you know, that beautiful um, castle, which looks like it should be in every Dracula movie. And then they might, you know, take a horse and buggy ride and then it's dinner and it's asleep. Well, screw that. We would start in the morning and it would be, okay, we're going to this castle. Now we're going to this castle and nonstop. And then we'd have dinner and then we'd start the partying. We'd go to the golf clubs. We would go to night events. We'd go to concerts. We'd go to, um, we found there was club. It's no longer there, unfortunately, in Bucharest. It was called Club Dracula. It was a Dracula themed restaurant and nightclub. And, uh, you know, after you finished your dinner, you're ready to leave. Well, no, all of a sudden the lights go out. Noises go off, you hear bats fluttering, and a, a caped vampire comes out to greet everybody. You know, so it's one of those themed places, which you wouldn't think such a place exists. And it, it probably lasted 20 years. I think it, during COVID, it probably um, closed up, unfortunately. Um, but so that was what made us different, is the trips were cooler. It was catered towards young horror fans, as opposed to senior citizens who would just see a castle and that was it for the day. So we did the research and we went to uh, the three different castles, um, including Paneri, which is where Vlad lived. And, you know, all there is is ruins now and you have to actually walk up 100 flight of steps or whatever it is. And we do that. We go up. It, we, it's, it's amazing. It's a bear mountain and there's bears on the other side of it. But we go up to the top. We look over. Um, Paneri is just that, that's the that's the crown jewel of the castles in Transylvania. But we go to other places surrounding. We go to Brashov, where um, the Black Church is. Um, it's a church that was heavily, um, it's for all the years, smut and ash and all that. So it's not its original cover. Someone died off there. There's a great story with that. We go to uh, a place where all the homes are built with um, air ducts, if you look at them from the street, they're not air ducts, they're cat's eyes. And so you're looking at rows and rows of houses that are staring back at you. So these are things that, you know, someone who goes to Romania, they're not going to do that. This is part of, you know, a specialty tour. And then the right near there, there's a bat park. You go at night, thousands of bats are just flying from tree to tree to tree. You know, they never attack anyone, but to go on a Dracula tour and actually visit, you know, a bat park, it's all themed up so great. And um, the other thing we do, of course, is we go to Shigishora, where Vlad was born, his birthplace, and it's a walled city. So uh, once you're in the city, you're actually within a city. So it's a city within a city and everything is just, uh, you, you think you're, it's medieval times. It's amazing. It's, it's been, stayed exactly the way it was with the churches and all that. And we go to Snagoff Monastery. You get me going, guys. We go to Snagoff Monastery where Vlad was supposedly buried. This is this, it's on a, it's on an island. You have, it's a moat. You have to travel by boat to actually get to the island. You get to the island and there's this mad monk who's a farmer and he's got animals and he takes care of the whole island. And, you know, he, why are you here every every year? Same thing. He freaks out at us and then he lets us into the monastery. Um, but what we found out was years, years before we'd ever gone, 
they unearthed, they dug up Vlad's grave to see what was there because if they felt he was in fact a vampire, they would have buried him separately from his head. If you bury a vampire, your head goes one place, the body goes another. Well, they dug it up. There was no head. There was no body. There was only animal bones. So we don't know. No one ever knows what that means and where he was actually buried. But that was the final resting place for Vlad is, is the Snagoff Monastery. And it's all part of the tour. People who go on this tour, guys, any business you have, whether you're uh, a roofer, whether you, whatever you do, whether you're a DJ, people, a restaurant, they're always going to find something to complain about. You're ne- With these tours, we get 100% satisfaction. People come home and they say, it was the greatest tour I've ever been on. They love the food. They love the accommodations. They love, you know, the people who are on the tours with them is a big part of it. And the places we go are just amazing. We really have it down to a science. I'm 25 years of going to Transylvania and all the places in Romania. It's, it's, it's a must for someone who loves that stuff. And have those picked back up since COVID ended? Yeah, we skipped two years. Um, the numbers are down um, yeah. for because of COVID and because of the Ukraine, you know, Russia war. People think that it's going to bleed over and obviously won't. Um, but we do it every year, same time, October 27th through November 4th, so that people can spend Halloween in, um, you know, in Dracula's castle. Um, and, ha- and we ask them to bring costumes with them or makeup or masks. And if you go to the website, you mentioned it earlier, DracTours.com, you'll see uh, past tour reports where people who went on the trip gave a travelogue of their year and what they did on that particular year. And you look at the photos and it's like, wow, on Halloween, these people got – they would have won prizes anywhere in the world. Some of the stuff is amazing. Um and what, what happened is for a while there, we were doing a summer version of the same tour. When the tour was at its peak, it was 100, 150 people were going uh, every, every Halloween. We added a summer version for the haunters in the world. Because if you're in the haunt business and you run a haunted attraction or you live for Halloween, it's a tough call to break away and take a one-week trip during Halloween. So we did a summer version, and we found that a lot of uh, students were able to go then, a lot of teachers were able to go, but not enough to justify it every year. So the Halloween trip still happens. It's every October 27th through November 3rd. Uh, We leave out of New York. We go from JFK right to – the airport in Romania. And from then on, you know, people are on their own. They could fly back by themselves if they, you know, if they get bitten <laughs> or they could fly back with the plane. That sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds like something that we would probably want to do. I'm sure Mike would be about it. About your book, uh, yeah. The True Ghost Stories of Connecticut. One place that I'm really interested in in talking about is like some of the places that you talked about in the book, like Dudley town, Fairfield Hills, my great grandfather actually was in Fairfield Hills when it was open, but there's places like white lady cemetery, green lady cemetery, all the places that we know of being, you know, local. And I'm from a town called Woodbury and there's St. Paul's Episcopal church, which has this cemetery. And as a kid, I mean, these graves are like 1600s as a kid, it would be like the most frightening place to be. Can you, uh, Give us a few of probably the most active places that you've been in Connecticut. Yeah. Isn't, wait, isn't Lake Quasipog in Woodbury, by the way? It's very <laughs> close. Yeah. That, yeah. Place is, that place is pretty scary. All right. Anyway. <laughs> um, so the ones that you've mentioned, you know, the, some of the churches and I mean, and some of the uh, cemeteries, the cemetery where I think we've gotten the most, the most spirited activity, probably two of them. One of them is Stepney Cemetery, which is in uh, Stepney, which is next to Monroe. And the white lady, uh, who's a famous ghost in Connecticut, kind of travels between the, the place in Easton and the place in Stepney. But what Stepney has, which is really special if you're a paranormal um, enthusiast, is it has um, the the burial, the grave of the Warrens. And, you know, the Warrens, you know, that's that's our... <laughs> when, you think, when you think of magic, you think of Houdini, right? When you think of yeah. mentalism, Kreskin. When you think of 
paranormal. It's it's the Warrens, and that's there, you know, where their final resting place is, and the monument is there. And so we visit there as part of the haunted uh, visit to Stepney. But next to the Stepney Cemetery is a church, and it's reputed to have had the most exorcisms in America there. Um, so, you know, we'll do like Nick and I, the shaman, the showman, we'll do um, an evening out. <clears throat> and for Stepney, it might be uh, the resurrection of the white lady or or spirits of Stepney, whatever we call it. And we'll do, you know, a $99 ticket. We'll guide it. It's a whole evening. We'll go for dinner. We'll do an orientation. We'll teach the folks how to use the paranormal equipment, which I have no idea how to use, spirit boxes, all this cool stuff. And um, and then Nick, it's, Nick takes over from there. I kind of do the intro, make people laugh, try to sell a few books. And then uh, we move on from there. And that's one of the great places. And the other place, while we're talking about cemeteries, is um, at uh, Captain Mark's. Uh, is it Captain Mark's? Uh, I'm forgetting the name of it. It was in 28, uh, 28 Days Haunted on Netflix. And what happened is it's, uh, they did, I don't know if you saw the show on Netflix, but it's uh, three different paranormal investigators, four different locations. Captain Grants, Captain Grants Inn. I'm, forgive me for calling it Captain Marks. Captain Grants Inn, and it's in Preston, Connecticut. So um, on the show, that's one of the locations. They picked this location as one of the most haunted places in Connecticut. Now, Nick, Nick knew all about it. I had never heard of it before. I heard of Dudley Town and Fair, you know, all the regular places. And he goes, well, this is going to be amazing. Let's watch the show. We watched the show. And one of the paranormal investigators, one of the hosts of that segment, uh, Sean Austin, a Connecticut guy, um, we said, hey, let's go back. Let's do the return to Captain Grant's Inn. And we did. We did a whole weekend where people could buy into the, you know, just visiting it with the three of us hosting it or or stay over, actually stay over or spend the weekend. A lot of different, you know, variations on the package. And so we did this. We're doing it again in August, by the way. We did it. It sold out. And there's a cemetery on one side, which is on the premises, which is part of the actual uh, property of the inn. And then there's an ancient cemetery across the street. The one across the street, very, very interesting, I'll share with you. When we went there, um, about four weeks prior to us going there, a policeman whose mom was buried there went to that cemetery and killed himself. He committed suicide. We had no idea where this was. We had no idea. None of us had ever been here before. And two people who were part of our group went in two different directions and wound up at one grave that said mother. They felt it. They said, this is it, blah, blah, blah. Did the research that night. And that was the mother's grave where the policeman had committed suicide. I mean, like, wow. I mean, if you, if you don't believe that people have powers, it was right there proven to us. And um, so we went back either the next day or the same night. And we did a cleansing we did a blessing, whatever, whatever Nick and all those other paranormal people do. And hopefully he crossed over because they felt his spirit there. But, but I didn't want to go to this cemetery. I said, if there's all these things here, I'm going to stay in the inn. I'm going to entertain the people. I don't need to go. I'm a little bit of a chicken, guys. I'll be honest. I'm a tour guide. But when it comes to the really scary, there's a demon house in Derby. I would not go there. The um, paranormal investigators who were there before me, um, before Nick and I went in there, the guy left with um, his, his hand was ripped. There were claw marks. I mean, he left there bloodied uh, and some entity did that. When Nick was there, we brought a group. We did the dinner. I did the orientation and I said goodbye. And Nick brought the group without me. He's, he's, nothing is happening. And then all of a sudden he says, all right, so guys, hope you enjoy this. We're pretty ready to go. And from a closed door, closed door, mind you, not an open door, a metallic ball is thrown at his feet just from nowhere. There was no, we didn't, he never saw the ball. There's no way it could have come out of a shut door. It's very freaky. So um, at this particular cemetery at, uh, at Captain Grant's Inn, Everyone said, Charles, you got to see this one. It's really cool. It's not that it's scary, 
but it's a, a, a it's a crypt. It's like underneath ground, and it, it, there were probably squatters there. You're gonna see old um, like pieces of bedding and old beer cans. You just got to go in there. And well, did anyone take video? Yeah, they took video. They showed me. I go, okay, all right, it looks cool. I'll go. Sunday night. Um, Everyone had already been there before, except for one gal, her brother, myself, and we went back with Sean Austin. We went back with Nick. Now, mind you, they'd been there 40 minutes prior to me going. They'd been into this this crypt, which is it's not easy to get to, but you walk through like um, a little path, and then you crawl in, and you're inside it, and then you come back out. Guys, when I went there, 40 minutes after everyone else did, with Nick, with Sean, and with these other two people, the path had been covered with trees. The path had been covered with leaves. It was no longer accessible. Why? Jesus. That's no bizarre. explanation. There's certainly not someone playing a joke on us. Um, it would have taken eight guys to put that many trees and leaves and branches. And I said, guys, you're, you're full of it. This, there was no way you just showed me to, and they, and they no, it was obviously true because they all showed me pictures inside. They went inside and I was not able to access it. So that's one of the freaky things that have happened cemetery wise. So, you know, people, when they think of, you know, union, they think of certain cemeteries, not some other places are probably more haunted, but don't necessarily come to mind. You guys mentioned Dudley Town, right? Mm, yeah. Is that like the first name that comes up if you're from Connecticut and you think paranormal? White Lady and Green Lady Cemetery, too. Uh, for me, the Meriden Black Dog and White Lady. What, White Lady? And yeah. Fairfield is also... So we did an event at New Asylum, which is a brewery on the Fairfield uh, Hills um, on, on the grounds. And um, most of the buildings are still intact. You can still take cool shots outside of them. The police patrol it because it is kind of private property. Um, but as long as you don't try to break in and climb the fences and get into these abandoned places, it's not, it's not that safe, you know, on two levels. First, physically, you can really, you know, you can cut feet on glass. You can, it's dark. There's a lot of things that can happen. But also for spirit reasons, it's not that safe. Um, and uh, the, the Dudley Town is very interesting because there's a few chapters of it in my book. Um, and I, it's growing up, I always said, <laughs> I would never go there. It's supposed to be the most cursed um, you know, dangerous place in Connecticut. But I said I wouldn't go there for different reasons. I said because occultists are doing, you know, sacrifices here. Uh, bikers are, you know, uh, naming each other there. All these different reasons. I thought rational, normal reasons to not go to this place. Nick said, no, Charles, dude, I know how to get in. It's going to be cool. We'll go during the day. You know, he's you know, that kind of talking. And I go, all right, Nick, I'll do it, but we got to do it as a package. We'll do the dinner. We'll bring the people, you know, we'll do a lunch and all that. We'll get them subway, whatever. We went there three different times. First time I was ever there, a group of about 20 of us. And mind you, we didn't go as paranormal investigators. We went as hikers because if we were pulled over, you know, we're in trouble. So we went as hikers. Uh, cop drives by. What are you guys doing? We're hiking. Okay, be safe. It was pretty cool. Um, we go up the ways, uh, come to a big open field, and what everyone tells you is true. You go from a peaceful forest to to this. It's death. You have no sounds. You don't hear birds. You don't hear bugs. You see no animals. You don't see. It's just like, why? There's no really logical reason. This one gal who had been with us, she said she'd been on hundreds of paranormal investigations. Her name was Tracy. She came from New Jersey because she always wanted to be at uh, Dudley Town. She said she'd never felt a heart, her oppression on her. She had to sit down and catch her breath because it was so overwhelming what she was feeling there. Um, two other things, what happened in Dudley Town. One gal goes to us, hey, did you see that jogger over there? And we're like, what jogger? What are you talking about? She goes, that jogger on the other side right there of the stream. 
and she describes him and she goes, he was wearing, you know, black pants, seemed like a black hoodie, didn't really have like a black face. And as she's saying it, she's realizing that she's describing something that didn't make sense. She described a shadow figure of some sort. And Nick goes, I got to tell you, there's no joggers. There's no path. There's no way to be on the other side of that stream. It's just woods. There's no one who could be there. So that was the second thing. The third thing, which is I love telling the story on all these paranormal things that we do on all these promotions, these programs we put on. There's always that one guy who's even worse than me. He rolls his eyes. You know, he's like, when's this over? He's checking his watch. So he's this guy was along with his girlfriend. She was into it. She was loving every second. He would be bored. She'd smack him. And he just couldn't wait till it's over. And all of a sudden we start pointing to him. Pointing to the guy. You go, why are you pointing to me? Because I'm not into this, right? Because I'm the, no, we're pointing to you because your hair is being pulled straight up in the air for no reason. Guys, his hair was like like a, a magnet or a, a human or an unhuman hand was just pulling it straight up. We all took pictures and had to show him because he wouldn't have believed it. I, I put that in the book. Um, and uh, it's just, those are the things that make this whole thing worthwhile. You know, if, if I was selling packages of people going to cemeteries and not getting results and not cool things happening, it wouldn't be as satisfying. You know, we do, the book came about um, because uh, Nick and I put on this, thankfully successful paranormal convention. There's others, as I mentioned, but it was the first in Connecticut and in Sonia Armory, people just flocked to it. It was right after COVID. Mm. Now, mind you, we've since done a, a ton of other promotions. We've done psychic fairs, but at this event, other people had books and I've seen on libraries and on bookshelves that there's other haunted Connecticut, scariest places in Connecticut, but those were always, um, like travel books, why these places are scary. I wanted to know what happened to you at this place that scared the pants off you. What was the most unbelievable thing? So I didn't just ask, you know, everyday people. I asked all the like vendors at my show, um, paranormal guests, my special guests. I said, can you give me a chapter on your most scary, uh, most unbelievable. I, and I put it, it's, it's firsthand paranormal accounts by individuals who experience the occurrences. And that was the goal of the book, to put in 30 stories with pictures whenever possible of these happenings that happened. This, that was the barometer. They had to be true and they had to have something to do with Connecticut. And, you know, the Fair, Fairfield Hills in there, uh, Dudley Town is in there. And a lot of places that I had never even, Hookman Cemetery, a lot of cool places I'd never even heard of. And once I put out the book, Nick said, well, we got to go to this place. We got to go to this place. We got to go to this place. He's a goer. He's a doer. If it was up to him, he'd be doing a paranormal investigation seven nights a week and seven mornings a week. Um, he lives for that. And uh, and he sees it and feels it. Uh, and, and I wish he was on the air with us because he loves when I tell the story. We went, uh, I collect pinball machines. I'm, I love pinball. And we went to pick up a pinball machine. I suckered him into helping me because they're pretty heavy. And we go into this house. I forgot where it was. It might have been Richfield. And I said, uh, and I said, Nick, no matter what, don't. He goes, dude, I feel something. I go, please don't. He walks in the house. He goes, did something happen? And he points to this room. He's because he's gravitating towards a room. And they go, Yeah. He goes, I'm afraid to ask. They go, no, uh, a grandfather passed away in there two weeks ago. And they said, that's why we're selling the pinball machine. He walked into this place. He knew the room and he knew what happened. And it was just really freaky. So that's my, uh, that's my Nick story. And that's my talk about true ghost stories of Connecticut available on Amazon and also from www.paranormalconnecticut.com. I've got a, a question for you, yeah. Rice. Earlier in the interview, you had mentioned that at one point you were the skeptic. You were that guy that was just kind of like, man, I'll take the pictures for you if you insist, right? At what point did it 
change? At what point did you say, okay, we're dealing with something real here? Like, was there a specific instance or series of events that took place to where you were like, all right, I'm all in. I know what we're doing here. I know what's going on. It's a great question. So prior to me being half of the shaman and the showman and being a paranormal guy, um, I had a few things happen, which I just wrote off as, okay, weird, unexplained, declassified stuff. I had no idea what they were and I forgot about them. As a kid in, in college, I saw an apparition and I didn't believe it until I brought my parents the next day on the same spot. They saw it and I would bring friends and we would always have that same experience. And I'd forgotten about it. I just forgot about it. And something else happened. But, you know, I didn't really give it the credibility. Um, and I still like playing the skeptic. I still like playing the non-believer. But I'm not. And the reason being is Nick. When when he visited me, I, I, I'm a horror guy. You see behind me, I got Frankenstein and monsters and I've got, you know, Silence of the Lambs. So for me, it was always the, the fictional stuff, the horror, the monsters, the scary stuff. And I ran a haunted attraction in Connecticut called Fright Haven for about a decade, which I've since sold it. It was in Stratford. It's Connecticut's largest indoor haunted attraction. And I would be the guy who greets everybody. I'd be at the front door, welcome, where you're from, you know, do a little shtick and that let and let the people in and then they'd get scared. And Nick comes one night with his son and he goes, yo, dude, because that's what he starts his every sentence with. Yo, dude, this place is really haunted. And I go, thank you. I, then I've done a good job. Now, I, the first time we ever met, mind you. And he goes, no, really? No, you, you, you don't know. Do you hear sounds at night, like overnight? There's def- This place is definitely haunted. And I'm thinking to myself. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, okay. He goes, we should do something here. I, I can do a paranormal investigation. I go, all right, you just look me up, c- catch me afterwards. And I got a lot of people who would come in with weird stuff, you know, hey, when well, we want to film a rock video here, whatever. I say, all right, wait and talk to me after the show's over at the end of the night. No one ever did accept him. And he waited and he said, I'm really serious. I really feel something here. Can we do a promotion together? I go, well, what would you like to do? He goes, well, maybe we can do like a night. I can call it proving the paranormal. Can I charge admission? He goes, yeah, okay, then I'll do it. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, we're selling out during the regular nights. If I could pop this on as a midnight event or an off night event, then I'll, I'll do it. You know, I'm the I'm the showman. I'm the, you know, that part of, I'm the PT Barnum. I'm willing to go on along with whatever someone is saying, if it could do more revenue and it could have, people can have fun with it. Well, Fright Haven used to be showcase cinemas. And it also used to be a Bally's gym. And if you know gyms, I mean, we don't, but most people who know gyms know that there's that one room that's all mirrored. So people can work out and look at themselves and check their biceps. So we had that upstairs, which was never used for anything. This mirrored room was just one year. Maybe we did makeup in it or we used it for, you know, props. So I go, well, we've got this really cool room. And he goes, great. We're going to do a scrying session, an evening of paranormal. I go, great, let's do it. What does it mean? He goes, well, I'm going to put people in a shamanic trance. Uh, We're going to light candles. We're going to play ambient music, and they're going to have results. Well, Frank and Dave, let me tell you something. People walked out of that room telling me they saw dead relatives in the mirror. Say there was one guy who said he, he was levitating. He saw himself levitate in the mirror. And I'm thinking, okay, they're loonies. They, they want to see things, so they're seeing things. It's no different than hypnotism. Well, a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine comes out and says, I was looking at myself and all the rest of the people disappeared and I was the only one in the mirror. All right, well, I trust this person. And then there's the other guy. And you know how I... I, I Pointed, talked about that skeptic in Dudley Town. So there was this guy, he ran um, escape rooms in Trumbull and he came with his family. His family was really into it and he was just there to, you know, 
placate them to came along for the ride. He walks out and his face is white as a go. I go, yo, what happened, man? What's going on? He goes, I was looking in the mirror and I disappeared. And I couldn't visual, I couldn't come back. And it wasn't until the lights went on everything else that I was back in the mirror. I didn't know how to answer him, but I told Nick this. He goes, of course, Nick, this is, yeah, this is what happens. Bottom line, guys, we researched the whole plaza where Fright Haven is on. And according to town records, which we've not been able to certify, but supposedly it was built on Indian burial ground. So Nick was right. This Mm. is when I started to believe in him. And if I believe in him, I believe in the stuff that happens paranormal-wise. Isn't that the rumor for late compounds as well? I think I think it's definitely late compounds, yeah. And, you know, um, the people who ran Haunted Graveyard there forever would talk about things that happened after, you know, closing time and things that happened in the middle of the night. And, yeah. There's a Just, lot. Of, we're Connecticut. There's tons. There's tons. Yeah. And in Orange, there's probably a, blocks away from me, you know, Indian burial ground and, and, and land that was owned by, you know, Native Americans. I wouldn't doubt it. And especially in tons of towns all over New England, especially, you could just be walking along in the woods and you see five graves and maybe this, maybe a foundation or something like that. And even by one of my old houses, there was a, a, I doesn't even, I looked on Google maps just to see if I could find it. There's no name for this graveyard. I think it's just a family. It was like 12 gravestones with iron rails and they were all either 19th or 18th century gravestones. And they were just in somebody's backyard. Were there, were there rails, iron rails over the coffins or just- no, like just, uh, just surrounding. It was like, it was like concrete pillars with iron rails, just like a, a railing to enclose the cemetery itself. If you ever see iron rails over a grave a or over a bar- you know that it was either a witch or someone who was believed to be a vampire because they felt that after whatever they did, whether they burnt them and put them in, whether they decapitated them, that that would be one extra um, precaution about them coming back to life and coming out of the grave. Yeah, we covered that. We did vampires back in October. We usually try to do Halloween-ish episodes. We call it Hushtober with our listeners. We talk about seeing all this stuff. I've seen some weird stuff in Connecticut. I have a friend that lives in New Britain, and it's one of the older houses with a plaque. He's got holy water right when you walk in the house. His dad grew up there. He used to say that he'd see like faces coming through the walls and he just nonchalantly talk about it. He's like, yeah, they're here, this and that. And I had an experience. You always remember your first one. Yeah. And I had an experience with something dark walking down the stairs and my friend was just sitting there and he didn't notice, but three other people in the band noticed and everybody looked up and we were like, and it wasn't anybody else. And he, our drummer was just like, yeah, yeah, that happens. <laughs> so he's just, he was just used to it. But, uh, these dark figures and any of this paranormal stuff that you, you see, especially one that's really puzzling, like the mirrors, like you disappearing in a mirror. That's like, like how do you explain that? And what would be your best evidence? What do you think the, the, all this is? Do you think it's interdimensional beings? Do you think it's actually human souls? Like some people believe, or is that something that comforts us? Could it be demons? Could it be, you know, what do you think that all this stuff is? Or do you think it's a culmination of different things? Yeah, it's definitely a culmination, but I'd like to hope that it's not demons because I tend to think that mirrors are portals. Um, This past Halloween, we did something in East Haven called the Haunted Trolley. And part of the trip was the scrying session. And one gal, you know, she saw her sister had just passed and she saw her in the mirror. She came out, she came out, the thing was over crying. Um, But someone else was freaked out. She was very upset at us. She said, you don't know what you're doing here. You could be bringing, you know, demons into the real world. They could be coming and latching on to people. Um, And so Nick is very, very um, verbal, very, very communicative about if anyone ever feels an albatross, if they feel something different, that something, if something went home with them, you know, there's something attached that he would go, he'll be at their house the next day. I mean, he'll, do the salt, he'll do a cleansing, whatever it takes. And, and it works. 
Um, but you know, the people like your drummer, <laughs> it's second nature that it gets to the point where if it's not malevolent, it's so what it's just, you know, it's just the, 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 the creaks of the house. It's just the shadows of the house. It's not doing anything. Maybe it knocks over a book once, once in a while or hides something on you. If it's, you know, if it's a little tricky, but most of the time, it, why is it there? That's the bigger question. And so mostly I would think I, I have theories on this. It's why are haunted places, uh, churches, homes, opera houses, theaters, it's places that people not just lived in, but loved in. It's places that they, in their um, true being, that was the best times of their life, you know? Uh, and they don't want to leave those places. Or they don't know that they're supposed to cross over and leave those places. So that's kind of my theory. And when you mention demons, I, I have a theory about that too. Um, because people come on these events and what if something attaches to me and it's evil? Uh, I mean, why are they going to attach to you? First of all, why you? You know, there's 30 people on this on this walking tour. They're going to pick you or are they going to pick everybody and attach to everybody? My theory, guys, is you pick a thousand people, right, who are alive. Maybe one of those people is evil. Maybe one of them is a, you know, is a jerk. Maybe one of them, you know, pulls the wings off a butterfly or one of those is a criminal. Well, that's probably the ratio of how many spirits, one out of a thousand, one out of 10,000, one out of a million is going to be, you know, evil. And maybe they haven't crossed over because they don't want to, because they want to continue their uh, malevolence, perhaps. And these are just, you know, theories. Um, but I tend to think that the, the, the risk is so low. And having said that, of course, I still won't walk into the haunted places. Uh, <laughs> I still send the rest of the group. Why take a chance? Um, but people love that. And people do want the encounters. You know, I want to capture it on film. I want to get a picture of it. I want to blow people's minds with something that I didn't see, but then somehow um, I got on camera. Um, the best example, and this is an example of Nick telling me that I've got to take a picture of an area of the, it was the Ansonia Opera House. And it hadn't it'd been abandoned. It had, no one had been in there for years and years. And we're walking around and I'm not, I'm not seeing anything. I'm just enjoying the fact that I love an old, an old theater. And he's telling me, okay, take a picture. And of course of that, of that, what I showed you before of that doorway. But he also said, take a picture of this area because I'm feeling something here. Uh, okay. I've learned now that when Nick says, take a picture, I'm feeling something, I take a picture. And it's not, it's not as clear in the book as it is on my um, camera. But he took a picture. I took this picture. Again, probably 50 pictures of the same spot. But in the one picture, there's the head. There's the body, full body. There's the arm. And it's about five feet off the ground. It looks like a Nosferatu specter just crossing through the theater. Um, and on my phone, it's color and it's so much clearer. And that is my best example of what I think is paranormal proof and what also proves, you know, Nick's... Um, people say, oh, come on, Charles, do you really believe this? I go, I, I can't not believe it because there's so much proof and these things happen over and over. Um, took a picture of waterfalls at um, at Dudley Town, and the waterfalls have two um, elemental beasts' faces in it. And I guess you could, if you look in, uh, if you look in uh, wall wall uh, wallpaper, and you look carefully enough, you'll see a face. You'll see, uh, you know, a, a, a yeah. lobster. You your brain can make you see anything you can. I think, but if you're taking fifty pictures of the same thing, and then in one picture, there's orbs and they're not in any other picture or in one picture, there's a spirit or a shadow figure. Well, you know, it's not, it's, it's some, there's something there. Well, Charles, you've been absolutely fantastic. We really appreciate your time. Obviously we could get any or most paranormal public figures to come on and talk about paranormal entities and 
all that good stuff. But with you, it hits really close to home. It's nice and local. We could discuss the local locations and experiences that you've had. And we appreciate that because it's home for us, right? But now as we're wrapping, it is your time to promote yourself. Tell our listeners where they can find you, your books, your events, websites, all that stuff. Let loose. Tell them where they can find you. I appreciate it. I want the Hush Hush Society and everyone who's declassified to come on May 13th. I hope this airs before then. Uh, Saturday, May 13th to the Ansonia Armory for uh, CT Paracon. It's Connecticut's original paranormal convention. It's not a million people. It's very, it's 60 vendors, really cool special guests. Um, I greet you at the door and we have a great time. Uh, it's uh, one day only. And the website is www.paracon with two N's, www.paracon.org. And uh, that's the one that's coming up immediately in November on the 11th and 12th. We have a two-day Salem Paracon. And the website for that is salemparacon1n.org. And that's at Salem State University. Very similar to the Connecticut show, except it's got, you know, the cachet, the sexiness of being in Salem little sexier than mm. Ansonia. Uh, uh, for the books, for the books, we've got ghost, true ghost stories of Connecticut. And I do a ton of library appearances with this where I, you know, talk about stuff and then do an author signing. The, it's at Amazon. The website is www.paranormalconnecticut.com. And the book that preceded it, which we talked about earlier, is the book of top 10 horror lists where a hundred celebrities gave me their favorite horror lists. And it's, it's a really fun, cool pop culture celebrity book. And that's available on Amazon and also from www book of top 10, the number 10 book of top 10 horrorlists.com. Uh, last but not least the, the vampire vacation to Transylvania. And that's www.dracktours.com. And if anyone goes to any of those websites and you want to come with us on our next expedition, our next haunted event, we are doing Stepney again. Um, we're going to be doing a Stratford, Connecticut event, which will um, include uh, Goody Bassett's grave, um, the most famous Connecticut witch. And then um, that also tied in with that, we're doing a paranormal psychic fair at Two Roads Brewery in Stratford. So if you go to any one of those websites, you can uh, get in touch with me. The phone number's everywhere, and we'll keep you informed of every event we do. And we want you guys to come as our guests on one of these things. We'll have, we'll have a blast. All right. So I'm just going to throw it out there now. We're booking that. Hushlings, if this doesn't drop it for CT, catch us at Salem Paracon. We will be there. Grab your merch. Come say hi. Uh, we'll be there. Can we, can we get a... A set, a live set too. That would be that would be awesome. That'd be fantastic. That would be a first for us, actually. We'll talk about it. maybe you know for the night event, for the after party or something. That would be dope. Oh man, Charles, this has been great. Uh, like Frankie said, we really appreciate your time and you you talking to us. We could definitely talk for probably two three hours about stuff. It would be awesome to do this again sometime. With, uh, Nick, yes. with Nick for sure. Yeah. For, that would be cool too. He'd another variable to the conversation, but definitely what Frankie said, it would be really cool to try to organize uh, something for your next uh, convention up there again. Thank you so much for coming on and hushlings. We will see you next time on declassified discussions. I'm declassified Dave. And I'm mystery Mike. And I'm slick Frank Sanders. <laughs>